This, I'm coming to you today as I'm, I feel like almost new to the gospel because of this experience. So excited to be here. You guys are starting the series about On the Road. And today I'm going to be talking to you. We're going to be on the road to forgiveness. And I don't come as an expert on forgiveness. I come as a student of forgiveness. And we are all students of forgiveness. We probably never will arrive in this area because we are all imperfect people. We all do imperfect things to one another. There's not one person here who is perfect. Your leadership isn't perfect. My husband and I aren't perfect. And when you are an imperfect person, you will have imperfect things come out of you that bump people. Other people's imperfectness will bump you. This is how life is. And it's, so I'm not coming to you as an expert. I grew up, um, I'm from a broken home. My parents divorced by the time I was 16 years old. And so I've had to navigate in my life decisions that other people made that affected my life drastically. And I've had to walk this road of forgiveness. And it's not something, I think there's this myth out there that once divorce happens, everyone just moves on. And they don't. If you've ever walked in divorce, coming from a broken home, you will know that throughout your life, there are layers of forgiveness. There are times in my life where I think I've been fine, and then all of a sudden something becomes unearthed in my life, where I'm affected again by the choices that other people placed on me. And I've had to learn to navigate this road of forgiveness. And I'm a leader. I'm a ministry leader. My husband and I are pastoring. And I can just tell you, if it's not easy being a leader. It's not easy pastoring. You will get hurt. And the other side of being hurt is that you will hurt people as a pastor. And so we're going to walk this road together today, and I'm firmly believing that God wants to set some people free today. Maybe from forgiveness that you're holding, unforgiveness that you're holding towards someone else, or maybe you are walking in unforgiveness to yourself, and God wants to set you free. I know that without a doubt that everybody here has been wounded They can be minor, they can be major. Everyone has probably at some point or another been lied about, gossiped about, excluded, abandoned, betrayed. But I can also guarantee that we all have been that same person where we've lied about somebody, we've gossiped about somebody, we've betrayed somebody, and maybe we've abandoned somebody. Not one of us is exempt from all of this. And um, we're not exempt from the pain that people inflict upon us. Sometimes we don't do anything to deserve it, but yet it's come our way. And here's what I know about forgiving people. Forgiving people look different. They talk different. They act different. They almost walk like they're walking on clouds because they're not concerned about the behavior of others. They're just concerned about their behavior and how well they're loving people. 
Forgiving people have more joy. They have more freedom. Forgiving people win people back. When you choose to, un, to not forgive somebody, you lose them. When you forgive somebody, you win people back. And I want to be that kind of person. I want to be the kind of person that I can collect all kinds of people in my life, maybe who have hurt me, because we're on this road together. We're going to dive into this today, and you know, I know it's so easy to point the finger at other people. It is so easy to um, recognize how somebody else has wronged you. It is not so fun to recognize when you've wronged somebody else. Yet we all have. And I've been on this journey the past few years. I've been, you know, I've been in ministry for 16 years, 14 years with my husband. And I think recently, probably in the past three years, God's really brought me on a journey of just this self-reflection. I think self-aware people are really amazing people. They're aware of their strengths and their failures, and they're ready to grow from them. So I've been on this journey. I've been um, probably for about three years, every single day. I've, no matter what else I'm doing, no matter what else I'm reading, no matter what else I'm studying, I'm in Proverbs. Proverbs is great because there's 31 chapters, one for each day. And if you want to start to look at your life if you want to start making better choices in how you love people, treat people, lead people, and how to be Jesus to people, start in Proverbs. I don't know, I felt like somebody needed to hear that today. Uh, get in Proverbs. Learn who you are and learn how you can be better. The Bible talks a lot about examining our hearts. It talks a lot about God examining our hearts. And if God examines our hearts, I think it's so important for us to examine our hearts Said in Lamentations 3:40, let us examine and probe our ways, and let us return to the Lord. Second Corinthians 13:5 says, Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. We all need to learn to forgive better. And we all need to be forgiven. So I'm a mom. I have these three kids, Gavin, Avery, um, and Levi. And if I can just say real quick, Gavin, my oldest, is a walking encyclopedia. He knows everything about every animal, dinosaur, bug you've ever known. He is the kid that's in the backyard collecting all the bugs. And um, he's, yes, walking, I mean, I joke about that a lot, but it is true. He has facts about things I've never heard about. So, um, and then Avery, my second, she wants to be a preacher and a fashion designer. So, and if anybody... Anybody could marry those two together. That would be her. So um, big things coming for all three of my kids. But Gavin specifically loves bugs. And my husband was out with him one day, and they came home. And if you know anything about me, and Cassie knows this about me, I like order is everything to me in my home, okay? I like things clean. I like things picked up. I like things orderly. So my husband takes my son out. And they come back with an ant farm. And um, I was not part of this decision. And, and I say that, but I really was not part of this decision. So they brought this ant farm home, and then you, you have to order the ants. Pretty much like this one, you have to order ants, and they come shipped to you. 
And so when they come shift to you, you immediately put them in the farm. So I'm just rolling with this decision. And um, it was one night in the summer, we were in the backyard. These ants had come, and we were sitting on the patio. My husband, who's at the patio table, starts, there's this tube, starts putting them in the farm. Well, all of a sudden, these ants start not going in the farm. They start spilling out of the farm and crawling all over the table, and they're crawling on our patio, and no big deal, they're ants. Well, a few minutes later, all of a sudden, my son Gavin starts screaming, and he's saying how much pain he is in. And I'm thinking, what on earth is, you know, and, you know, maybe he's just being sensitive. You're going to be fine. You probably just got bit by a bug or something. You're going to be fine. Let's, well, you go inside, take a little rest, we'll finish the farm. A few minutes later, my husband's still working on this farm, and my, my son's still screaming. And so I go inside, and I'm thinking, what, what is going on? And he's on the floor. At this point, he's not screaming for mom anymore. He's screaming for grandma. He's moved on from screaming from all the people that are around him, and he's literally you know, laying there screaming for his grandma. And I'm thinking, okay, this is real. <laughs> he got bit by something. So I said, okay, buddy, we're just going to, maybe I'll get you some Benadryl, I'll find something, we'll, we'll figure this out. A couple minutes later, all of a sudden, I got bit. Back of my leg. Worst pain ever. <laughs> and I start screaming. <laughs> and, um, and I'm thinking, these ants, you know, it's these ants. And come to find out, they weren't just any ants. They were red harvester ants. And if you know anything about red harvester ants, it has some of the strongest venom of any ant. And I, then, a couple of minutes later, after I'm screaming laying on the floor, in excruciating pain, my dog starts limping around the corner because she had gotten bit as well. And for 24 hours, I was on a couch. I could not move my leg because of these ants. I did not choose for these ants to come in my home. <laughs> this was a decision between my husband and my son. Their choice left me in pain. And as funny as an ant story is, I think that's very true about the pain that's inflicted on us by others. It's not our choice, and yet it's come our way. You didn't choose for somebody else's poor behavior, but yet it's affected your life in great ways. You may be that innocent bystander, but I believe God has a way out for you. He wants to bring freedom to your life, and I believe that freedom can be found for you today. Let's pray real quick. Holy Spirit, I thank you for this time together, and I pray that you would meet with us Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just begin to help us self-examine our hearts and our lives and where we're at. God, I pray for those who are dealing with heavy wounds today. God, that you would be the God of comfort and peace and that you would bring freedom to people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Paul is speaking to the Ephesians church here, and a couple verses before he talks about forgiveness, it says this in verse 29. 
Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. So here Paul is talking, and he's, at the end of the chapter, he says, hey, we're, we're going to be kind and compassionate and forgive one another. And then just a couple of verses before, he talks about unwholesome talk, rage, all kinds of evil, slander, anger. It's as if he's saying, okay, we're not going to do that, but when this does happen, we're going to forgive. And chapter 4 talks about unity in the body of Christ. And it begins in chapter 4, Paul says, I am a prisoner of the Lord. As a prisoner of the Lord. And then he walks through why unity is so important for the body of Christ. And I think it's really interesting that it starts out, before he talks about unity, he says, I'm a prisoner. You know, I often think the mindset that he must have been in as he's in prison. He probably isn't too concerned about somebody maybe who gossiped about him or lied about him. But what he is concerned about is purpose, destiny, freedom. So the perspective of Paul as he's writing this is super important. What he's saying is the big picture is what matters, not the little things that get to us. And I'm not trying to minimize pain and hurt. It feels very real. But what I am trying to say is there is freedom that is more important than your pain. There um, is kingdom purpose that each one of you have that is more important than your pain. And God wants to use you and move you into your calling. But we can't fulfill the destiny and purpose that God has for us when we are chained down by unforgiveness. You know, we all like to be forgiven. I like to be forgiven when I do something wrong. It's not so easy when we have to extend that forgiveness. But the humble forgive, the mature forgive, and the forgiven forgive. And if you know Jesus today, you've accepted him in your heart, you are walking this road with him, you're a forgiven person. And yet we so quickly want to hold on to hurt, like almost like it's a badge of honor. Forgiveness, unforgiveness is not a badge of honor. It's not something to be proud of. And I want to encourage you today to walk this road of forgiveness. And kind of like I would probably talk to somebody over coffee, I have some things in my life that I've had to work through. I just want to share with you a few things that I feel like forgiveness chooses. And forgiveness isn't always a feeling. I think sometimes... We live too much by our feelings. We let our feelings dictate our behavior. But 
A mature person knows that their emotions don't need to dictate their behavior. Emotions are indicators of what's going on. And you can tell your emotions what to do. You know, there's a saying um, I see on social media every now and then, or if you're on Pinterest, you see it, it says, follow your heart. That's a big lie. Your heart will deceive you. Your heart without Jesus will lead you to places you shouldn't be going. So I want to encourage you, we're not going to follow our hearts. We're going to follow God's heart. And God's heart is all about forgiveness. So here's what forgiveness chooses. Forgiveness chooses unity over division. Ephesians 4, 2 through 3 says, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And here's what forgiveness does. Forgiveness makes every effort. Sometimes when someone's wronged us, we don't want to make any effort, let alone every effort to restore a relationship. And here's kind of what I have found in my own life. I'm responsible for my behavior. I'm responsible for my actions. I'm responsible for my words. And I'm responsible for my motives. That's a lot to be responsible for. And yet we're so busy, we're, we're so quick to point the finger somewhere else. And yet we don't look at what's going on in our own life. Unity chooses forgiveness. Unity and forgiveness go hand in hand. You know, there's a reason why unity is talked about in the Bible. Because God knew that we would be at odds with one another from time to time. God knew that I was going to have stuff and someone else was going to have stuff that were going to bump into each other at times. And sometimes, and a lot of times, it's too good people. It's two God-loving people who just bump into one another and stuff comes spilling out. In Matthew 18, Peter is talking to Jesus, asking Jesus how many times you should forgive. Peter says, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? And Jesus answers, I tell you, not seven times, but Seven times 70. See, in Judaism, three times was sufficient to forgive somebody of something. And then you could be done. And that's what Peter knew. And so he's challenging Jesus here, asking him, well, how, how often should I be forgiving then someone? And Jesus ups the game here. Yeah. And really, this 70 times 7 it's not a numbers game. He's really not concerned about the number. He's concerned about the heart. The heart issue is what matters to Jesus way more than behavior and actions because God knows if you can fix your heart, you'll be able to fix your actions. So my little girl Avery, I said a little bit earlier, she's a little preacher girl. She's always given us many sermons at home. And um, she, I spoke at my kids' 
chapel a few months ago and actually was on this topic of forgiveness. And so I was enlisting my kids. They're going to help with my message at their school. They go to a private Christian school. And so I said, what, what do you think people need to know when it comes to forgiveness? And she's, you know, looking at me, all serious and cute, wrapped into one. She says, Mom, forgiving people, forgive, even when someone's not sorry. You know, my eight-year-old little girl, understanding this concept that we're going to forgive people, even when they're not sorry. And that's not always so fun. We like it when somebody else realizes they've wronged us. Somehow that makes us feel better. But really, in reality, a mature person forgives even when the other person is not sorry. Um, another thing that forgiveness chooses, chooses love over offense. You know, it's so easy, so easy to get offended these days. Social media, I think, has magnified this problem. We get offended. Someone didn't say hi to me. Someone didn't like my post on social media. Maybe someone didn't congratulate me on my promotion. And we kind of maybe laugh at some of these, but these are real offenses that are piling up in our hearts that have no business being in our hearts. Offense can come at you, and every day it will. Every day you have a choice to be offended. But offense doesn't have to come inside you. You do not have to welcome offense in your life. It will come at you but it does not need to come inside you and affect your heart and affect your relationships with other people. You should never own an offense. Proverbs 4 says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Proverbs 17.9 says, whoever would foster love covers an offense. Proverbs 19.11 Sensible people control their temper. They earn respect by overlooking wrongs. And if you've ever been around somebody who lives offended, there's a choice between, there's, there's a difference between being offended and living offended. You will notice that they can find fault with just about anything. Everything is offensive. It's like their lens is cloudy. They can't see people for who, who they are. They live in this victim mode. And I don't, I don't know about you, but I've had times in my life where that's been the case. And I don't want that. I want to be able to love people freely. I want to be a safe place for people that when they're having a hard time and maybe their issues rubbed up against me the wrong way, I want to be a safe place to extend grace and mercy to somebody. I don't, you know, you have too much purpose in life. What God has for you is too big to be locked down by offense. Do not, do not let it set camp in your heart. You know, another thing I think that we do a lot is we often filter other people's actions through the best version we have of ourselves. And yet, we don't give people the best version of ourselves. 
So we're filtering people's behavior and actions and choices through a filter that isn't even true. And that's a dangerous place to be um, when we hold people to a standard that we don't even measure up to ourselves. I can promise you, if this is where you're at, you are not walking in joy. But you can today. God doesn't want you to be held down by a fence. He wants to free you. Forgiveness chooses grace over grudges. Now I have to say, this is a hard one for me. If I can be real with you today. I'm an Enneagram one. Y'all all talk, any, talk about Enneagram here. I know I've talked with Cassie about that a number of times. But I'm a justice person. What's black is black, and what's white is white. What's, what's right is right. What's wrong is wrong. So this is hard for me. And on top of being a justice person, this is not a gift. But I have like this photographic memory, okay? So if I've had an encounter with someone where they've hurt me or wronged me, I can promise you I can probably tell you what you looked like that day. <laughs> I can tell you what you were wearing that day. I can tell you verbatim the words that you spoke to me. That's not a gift, <laughs> but it's something that I struggle with. And a few years ago, I was going to Starbucks, and which is not unusual for me. I love coffee. And I order my drink. I pull through the drive-thru, and in front of me is a, is a car, and there's a woman pretty much hanging out the window, yelling at the barista about her drink order. And she's not yelling quietly. It's very loud. And the barista is kind of hanging out her window, trying to fix the situation for this customer. And this lady's yelling. And I'm, I'm watching this and just kind of thinking, what on earth is going? Why is this lady so upset about coffee? And that, the Holy Spirit spoke to me in this moment. And it really, a life, I feel like a life-changing moment for me. Holy Spirit says, it's not about the coffee. She's not upset about coffee. The coffee maybe have been, was the icing on the cake that day. But there's something else going on in her life and in her world that has caused her to be so upset about a wrong coffee order. And see, we need to remember that we walk around with broken people that live in brokenness every single day. And I don't know what that lady was facing that day. I don't know if it was a health diagnosis. I don't know if it was a failing marriage. I don't know. But I know it was too much. The, co the wrong coffee order was too much for her to handle that day. And yet, we hold people... We hold them to a standard that they weren't able to live up to that day. And I think it's so important to recognize what are people going through? What are they carrying? What loads are they carrying that, you know, it just so happened. To, they came at me that day, but what else is going on internally? 
If we're so fixated on behavior, we're not going to recognize how somebody's soul maybe is crying for help. When you finally learn that a person's behavior has more to do with their own internal struggle than it ever did with you, you learn grace. Colossians 3.13 says, Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And I just want to make more room for people to fail. I want to create more space for people and not be so quick to be upset when somebody has hurt me. I want to be someone who seeks to understand. I want to encourage you to seek because sometimes the behavior is because, it's go- because of an earn- internal struggle that's going on inside of them. And you may know nothing about it because you're so fixated on how they hurt you. Forgiveness chooses relationship over our need to be right. Forgiveness cares more about relationship than being right. And, you know, our tendency in conflict is to prove how right we are and how wrong somebody else is. But what if we cared more about the relationship than we did our pride? What if we cared more about moving the relationship forward than they were than we are to prove how wrong this person is. No, our natural response is to lash out at people when they've hurt us. But when you're with Jesus, you don't need to defend yourself. You already have the ultimate defender. All God is asking you to do is to extend grace, mercy, kindness, forgiveness. We had a speaker a few weeks back at Journey Church, and his name was Ryan Leak, and he wrote a book called Unoffendable, and I would highly recommend you getting it. I read it in a couple hours. Great book. But in it, he talks about missing an opportunity in offense. And I kind of thought that was interesting that there's an opportunity in offense. He said, don't miss the opportunity that God's given you in offense. Your greatest opportunity to be like Jesus is when you've been hurt. Sometimes hurt speaks louder to us than forgiveness ever will. And I want to flip that. I want forgiveness I want, I want to be known for forgiveness. Church, the local church, this church, the church that I'm from should be known for how quick we forgive, not how much offense we hold on to. You know, and I think there's something to be said about restoration when it comes to forgiveness, and especially relationships. Because I am a justice person, it can be hard for me sometimes to want to restore a relationship when it's fractured. And the enemy will tell you that restoration is not possible. And that is a lie. Restoration is always possible. And here's how it's possible. Sometimes your relationship with someone is too fractured, too damaged 
to go back to how it was before. And that's okay. But God wants to restore you. And he wants to restore the other person. It doesn't always mean you're going to move forward like you were before. Maybe your relationship is going to look a little different. Maybe the relationship will be better than it was before. But restoration is always possible for you. It's a lie. Do not buy in to the lie of the enemy when he tells you restoration is not possible. And I think, too, when you're praying for people who wounded you, it becomes harder to be upset with them when you're repeatedly bringing them to Jesus. I'm going to close with this today. Forgiveness chooses the posture of Jesus. And if you look through the Gospels, you will see Jesus time and time again forgiving people, setting people free, healing them. And sometimes, I think a lot of times actually, we buy into another lie, well, this is just personal to me. This personally hurt me. This personally wounded me. It didn't become any more personal to anyone than it did to Jesus. He paid the ultimate sacrifice for all of it. I've not had to pay that ultimate sacrifice. He did. And when he was with people, he didn't just forgive people. He elevated them into right standing with them, with him. Just a couple of things before we close. You know, the betrayer Judas was a disciple. He broke bread with Jesus. Jesus probably told him intimate things about the kingdom. Full well, he's, Jesus is God, full well-knowing what Judas was going to end up doing. And then the moment where Judas was going to go betray Jesus, Jesus kneels down and washes his feet. A complete act of humility and service to somebody that was going to be nailing him to a cross. Peter says, I'll never deny you, Jesus. And Jesus' response says, yes, you will, and you'll deny me three times. And yet Jesus says, I will build my church through you. That's a big deal. That's a really big deal. That Jesus would choose someone that would betray him. Another account of Jesus that just speaks volumes to me is the woman that was caught in adultery. She was pulled from the act, thrown in a room, all kinds of accusations, humiliation, and the threat of death. Because the act of adultery, if you were caught in the act of adultery, you could be stoned to death. And as these men are picking up their stones to throw at this woman, Jesus bends down. And scripture says, it's not real too clear why Jesus was bending down. But for me, as I read this account over and over and over, 
as Jesus comes up, he trades her shame for forgiveness. And he takes that shame, the sin, to the cross. Ultimate act of forgiveness. I want to have the posture of Jesus. I want to live in such a way that when people broken themselves and wounded themselves are coming to me, that I'm the biggest extender of grace and love and kindness, compassion. We have, church, we have too much to do for the kingdom. This church has too much to do to be locked down by unforgiveness. And I want to pray for you today, so if I could just have all eyes closed and heads bowed, and I want to pray for just specific people in the room today, maybe who've never given their life to Jesus. And maybe you are that person today who thinks, man, I have a lot to be forgiven from. And Jesus wants to give that to you today. All heads bowed, eyes closed. If there's anyone in the room today that would like to be in right standing with Jesus, forgiveness of sins, if you could just raise your hand so I can pray for you. Yes, thank you. Yes, thank you. Amen. Let's pray real quick for these people. Thank you. I see your hand. Jesus, we come to you with our brokenness, with our wounds, with our pain. Jesus, we come to you with all the things that we've done wrong. And we ask, God, that you would forgive us. We ask, Jesus, for you to cleanse us and make us right with you. Also, there may be some people in the room today who are just holding unforgiveness in their hearts to one another, to other people. I just want to remind you that God wants to set you free. God, I pray that you would just release from our hearts offenses, that you would release wounds, that you would release pain from people's hearts. God, that they would not be held back any longer by the prison of unforgiveness. Jesus, we pray for people to be set free today. We thank you, Jesus, for what you did for our sins and for every other person's sins by dying on the cross. What a gift salvation is. What a gift your freedom is. Holy Spirit, I pray that as we leave today, that we would walk the road of forgiveness. That we wouldn't be so quick to take offense and own it in our hearts, but that we'd be quick to forgive. Pray a blessing on each person as we go today. In your name we pray. Amen.